Hello, this is What the Heck with Richard Dweck, Season 3, Episode 5. Today I am interviewing Gary McLean. Uh, he is, uh, he's been doing comedy for, I think, about a year now, maybe. I think a year. He's, um, he's great, you know. We talk about how he started out as, like, this villainous character, kind of, to us, and then now everyone loves Gary. And, uh, he's great. He was, uh, in the army, and, uh, he comes from a big, uh, family, and we talk, and I'm gonna talk to him about that. And, uh, I'm just really excited. So, uh, we'll get into it. Okay, great. Hello. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? All right, give me just one second. Let me just just got in here. All right, did you start yet? Yeah, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. I'm just setting up right now. Okay. Um, Are we recording? Yeah. Give me a second. Yes. Uh, no, we're just in it. We're just in it right now. Yeah, I I pre-recorded a uh, intro for you. Uh, that's what I didn't know. So you're on uh, season three, episode five of What the Heck is Richard Dweck. I'm so excited to have you on because I haven't been seeing you recently with uh, at the mics, really. Yeah, that, I've uh, been. You've been busy? I've been busy. I've been a couple of places. Some things I can mention, some things I can't mention. Right. 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 Um, yeah. I, uh, I wanted to ask you the typical questions like, when did you start doing comedy? Um, well, I started doing comedy, uh, December, it was around December, I was still married at this time, I'm getting fucked up with the years, but don't worry about that. Right. So, I go to an open mic, right, like anybody does, and I bomb, like I went there and I bombed, like, the most horrific bombing you've ever seen. Right. But I loved it. Yeah. So I went home and I went home to my then ex wife at the time and I'm like, hey, you know, this is after the kids go to bed. I can do this every Friday. This is awesome. This yeah. is also at a, this is also at a time when I'm looking for anything fun. Um so I tell him like, hey, no, this is something that I really enjoy doing. It's after the kids are in bed. It was perfect. And she's like, No, you can't. Yeah, when and... I first... oh sorry, I don't mean that. No, 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 no. Yeah. You're, good. You're good. When I first started, uh, you know, I did improv for years and I really wanted to do stand-up. So my improv teacher finally let me do it when he started having comedians at a open our shows. And I remember the first time I did it, like it was terrible, but I, the way I describe it is I could have fallen off the stage and like, I still would have thought like afterwards, this is awesome. I've like, seen you fall off the stage, my man. I've, I've seen it happen. <laughs> it was so amazing. I was like, this is so great. Cause there was so much, like so many years of buildup of wanting to do it. But uh, yeah, I was curious uh, 
you so was there a gap between the first time you did it and then when you because there's a there's a gap for me when the first time i started doing it and then when i started taking it seriously you know what i mean because i did it for a while and then it was just like every sporadically i tried right. to do something but then there became a point where it's like no i gotta do this at least every week to me so what was really cool curious to me it was really cool uh, this comedian dylan Manigan. i don't know if you've ever met him he uh he was like Dylan Negan? Manegan, yeah. Manegan, oh, okay. He was in my uh, improv group, and oh. uh, he was doing stand-up. And I asked him, like, where are the mics? Like, where is everything? And he told me where they were. So I started doing them, like, right after I started. Like, I did, I opened for a second time for my, uh, like, improv class. And then, because I was on the A, I was on the B team, not the A team. So, like, mm -hmm. I wasn't in the greatest team, but we were, you know, it was nice. And uh, that's where I met Mark. Uh, Headline, and mm -hmm. uh, he um he was opening shows with us, and uh, I started doing mics. And the third time I did it was at this place called the Crust and Crumble in Asbury. It's like a I did the Crust and Crumble pizza place, and uh, yeah. that was our like go to. Like it was uh, first it was Dan Gagliardi and Melissa hosting. Yeah, their warm things. That's their group that they do. Their sketch group that they do. So they were hosting, and then it was she stopped doing stand up, and it was this comic, Rob Avon and Dan. And we had that for like the mic for like three years and four years. And there I met everyone. I met Jack, I met uh, um, Alyssa Stevenson, I met so many people. And that's where I sort of I met everyone. But it so, was, where um, would you say, and, I, and I hate to turn around and interview you as much as you No, it's fine. That's how I chat. It's a conversation. Where did you, like, really start to take it seriously at? Because me, I mean, I could say I started to take it seriously at the break, but where did you, like, where is your comedic home? I think where did it start? When I started you. taking it, like, way more serious was, and it was kind of a mix. Like, I was doing, I started doing the Bringer shows in New York, and I always, I knew they were terrible to do. I knew they were a scam. I knew all, all the things. But it was just you managed to bring people to bring us. Yeah, I bring my mom and my family and uh, we go to New York. Like I work on material for, you know, a month and then I'd go and do the new material at uh, at the shows. And uh, the way I was justified, it was I'm getting stage time. I have an audience and I get to perform at a place where all these great comedians have performed on the same stage as them. So. Yeah, it was. Um, I I think it's I, I think it sucks in a way though because it's always like you invite everybody to come out to your shows and shit at the beginning, like yeah, when you've been yeah, doing it a couple it. of days. Like, oh my god, it's fun and it's terrible. And then you get a little bit. And I'm not like I'm still yeah. I still am very much at the open micer level. But then you just get a little more polished. Like right. I'm at the point now where I'm not like I'm, I'm off paper i remember i used to go up there with paper and like shit written down i got to that point and that to me seems yeah. like okay that's where you would at least want to start people seeing your shit yeah i remember uh i was listening to an interview um and dimitri martin was talking about how he talked with jerry seinfeld once and jerry was like yeah they bring your shows they're terrible yeah. <laughs> he was sort of he's like yeah they're they're terrible because you're not good yet and you're inviting people and it's good because they love, I always say this, people will come to your first one and then they will come to your HBO special. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's yeah, all exactly. they will do. Exactly. 
But uh, to me, I just I always justified it. And the guys were, you know, it's hard because some guys that host it that do that, that's like a great market for them because mm -hmm. they are like good at standing. Is it? Hold on, hold on. Is it? Because I want you to look at that with 2020 eyes because everything before COVID, it, that's not the world anymore. So ask yourself how, like, and, and, and what's really the, what do you get out of that? Exposure? I think, yeah, what you get out of that is exposure. And you get to, like, sort of learn how to behave yourself at a comedy club. Yeah. Like, you sort of get that. And so uh, let me, let me, let me counter that because I love conversations yeah. like this. Would you say you're learning or would you say, like, I think I think the Brighton's a learning place. It's an open mic with bringers. It's what concerns me with that is: Are you even learning at that point, or are you helping somebody else who couldn't even figure out that? You know, you know what I mean. Well, and to me, what what it is? It's, it's always a mix. Like sometimes you get guys that are, you know, they're good uh, hosts and they have a decent five minutes that they've been doing for fifteen years and they're fine. Yeah, we'll call but those old school guys because so, there's a lot of people. Those are the, uh, let's count those guys before the internet because before the internet you could do that. You can't do that now. You know yeah. what I mean? So because they would just work. get guys off the street. That's what they would do. Can't do that now. So now what they do a lot of them that are bad, they take advantage of young comics who don't know anything. Right. And those are the guys you have to look out for, and I think that's the hardest part because, like. I think when it comes to comedy clubs, their bringers become like start as like a wholesome thing. They're like, oh, we're going to get new comics. We're going to yeah. get people a chance. Now, but why then wouldn't, and, and I'm, I'm against bringers, and it's only because I've seen how open mics work. And open mics not the best. It, it, it's not the best. Like, I love, I love the Brighton. Oh, yeah. It's the perfect, it, it's a perfect place to, kind of mold and figure it out. Now, is it a perfect crowd? No. It's actually a little different of a crowd because most of the people there are comedians. Yeah. So do you find, and I, I find myself interviewing people. No, it's fine. It's but a conversation. It, yeah. Do you find yourself more comfortable in front of comedians at this point? At this point, like, at this September, point? yeah. Do you find yourself more comfortable in front of comedians or in front of crowds? That's fascinating to me. It's like, I always think about that. Like to me, I always prefer, prefer crowd because with comedians, it's like, I'm trying to like impress people that are either my friends or I'll try to impress comics that I really, really like, but I'm not close with. Right. Like, like I'll be like, oh, this comic is great. Like I want them to think that I'm on their level or I'm good enough. Yeah. And to me, it's just like I prefer performing in front of crowds because they haven't seen my stuff and it gives me more room. Also, like, it just feels annoying sometimes. Like, like you don't want to take up space with everyone. Like, oh, they've all heard my jokes for like. Yeah. And, that, and, and, that's, the, and, and that's the thing of it is that everybody's if, if you're going to go in there with a polished type five, you're going to have to constantly make adjustments in that yeah. because if you come out there this monday with the exact same shit you came out with last monday yeah everybody's gonna look at you and and it's gonna happen you see that happen with some yeah. people and some people can kind of make a transition and make it work um yeah 
but then it, the, there's some people that it works for. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was at a, I was at a, Mike and Angelo pointed out that there was this one comedian that has such a tight set that you end up almost uh, reciting it from yeah. memory, but and, not in a not in a disrespectful way, even right. in a. And I don't know. I don't know if he even understands. Like, no, you're in front of a bunch of comedians who are already going to, and that's. I know who you're talking about, and with that guy, he comes from. Do you name names on your podcast? Yeah, like, we can name names. That's okay, sick so Vic. so, so yes. Yeah. Shout, shout out! Shout out to Sick Vic. Also, like, shout out to who'd you shout out before? Mark Henley, you shouted him out yeah. before. Shout out to him. I like to make sure yeah. people that get mentioned, you shout him out. So you anyway, know, um, oh. what I wanted to say was he is. Uh, he is like an older, like, of course, he's an older guy, but he's like an older, like, comic. So there's different values. Like, when you were a character comedian like that, you could just have your act for years and years and just coast off of that. And he's now, a, he came from a time before the Internet. You have to, yeah. His opening line, his opening line, like, as far back as I can remember, that, I mean, that movie, that comes off of a movie, Goodfellas, which came out in 1990. It's yeah. a 30-year-old movie. But it was actually also the opening line in this book, Wise Guys, that right. came out in, like, 84. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even the opening line is a 34-year-old bit. Yeah. And I don't know if the whole thing is that old, but if you open that with a 34-year-old thing, uh, uh, that, that's older than me, even. Yeah. You, know, you, you know what I mean? I don't know anybody yeah. who's even in their 30s out there. So it might just be his crowd, though, because yeah. if you did that same thing in front of, if you did that same act in front of a bunch of gray-haired people, it'd kill. It, oh, it, yeah. you, it, it, and the first time you see it, it's like, holy shit. And that's also, and the reason I bring this up, because you do it completely differently. The first time I saw you, like mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, it, you had me pissing my pants because I thought more of you was an act. Yeah, like, I get that. It was. And then it's like, and then you, I got to know you a little more. And I'm like, for a second, you almost feel bad for it. It's like, wait, am I, am I laughing at this kid? Right. He is? And it's yeah. like, no, this is what he's bringing to the stage. Like, and I'm yeah. always worried that people don't understand, especially if you're not at the well, Brighton regularly, don't understand. It's like, no, this is. This is somebody who's working at, and I think some people don't understand. No, like, I had I have an interesting thing about that. Yeah, I think growing up, because I was always sort of known in schools like this weird, like people knew me like as what I was, and I think if I had a better perspective that I have now, where I love, I love being made fun of by comics. I didn't like being made fun of by seniors in high school. Well, there's a difference in getting made fun. Yeah, and and the ball so, breaking you get from comics is worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? They know you, especially after a couple of weeks. It was sort of like being this mythical like creature where people are like, "Oh, that's Richard. He'll he's weird and whatever." And you know, and you get to lean like, into it as an adult. Though. And like people tried. Like I think a lot of people. I think most of the time, a lot of people did it. Tried to do it in a joking way that wasn't offensive. Like like you guys, you, like you came up in a different time. And here's the thing: you also came up in a different time because if you were say five, six years older, they they, they like you oh, said yeah. people people weren't trying to be malicious. I came wow. up in time; people were just fucking malicious, and that, and I'm not and I'm not that much older than you, so it's kind of yeah. and and there's almost this divide between like wait, did you, I got fucked with in school. Well, how bad was it? 
they call you names or did they smash your face into a locker? Right, right. There, there's two sides of that, and both is right. bullying. No, neither one of them is right. I think what's weird about my generation is like we were inching towards progress, but we still weren't. It was like, <laughs> it was like you can call anyone retarded and anything retarded, but you can't call the kid with Down syndrome retarded. You can call, you know, we still tons of homophobia. Talk and then, mean, meanwhile, meanwhile, I grew up in time where people were dropping faggot and nigger, nigger with the hard R right. just regularly. And then, and then I find out that maybe that's just an Ocean County thing. But right. it, it's, it's, it's weird to then hear, oh, well, a couple of years later, like, kids are still fucking with each other. That's never going to end. But, I mean, it seems like they found other things to do. Yeah. But then you transition that into where you are now. Now you're an adult. Now you're in your Yeah. So you don't. You don't have these forced interactions right. with people who you don't respect or need to know anyway. Right. So when people that you know, people at the Brighton, for instance, come they, when when they're fucking with you, it, it, yeah, some of it's making funny, it's just out of it's something stupid. Listen, you've walked on stage looking like we're supposed to plug you in like a fucking iPad, dude, with the phone charger hanging out or like fumbling, and all that works you know what yeah. i mean but none of us are malicious about it i right. mean there's even times when you're not there it's like and i think with yeah. comedians like i think that's the same thing with you is like you know it's it's interesting i said this a little bit in the intro like not like just in a teasing way of like teasing this conversation is that my first impression of you our first impression of you was not a good one and nope. we, you completely like turned into this lovable guy like everyone really loves you and now and it's just like and that and it kind of it kind of sucked when i had to happen though because for me i didn't i wanted to lean more into like a character that was almost a little bit more villain and it worked the first few times that i was on stage but the problem is i'm a social guy so then i come off the stage and it's like wait that this doesn't match that guy and so then i literally just adjusted and, and now I go with this kind of honest, kind of not, where there's this line, and a lot right, of people go to Jack, it's like, how much of that is true? And I like doing that now, where it's like, there's jokes and there's parts of it that are peppered in that's like, oh, this could be him. And then right, there's part right. like, like interracial clown porn. I just did yeah. that one for the first time. Obviously, I'm not. But in there, I got to throw in some things that, like I found funny or I just sat down and thought about like, okay, so if you were doing that, how would it like, and it's fun. It's, right. it's now I get to do that, but I don't, when I first came there, I didn't want to be liked. I didn't expect to make friends. I just wanted to like, I wanted to hit people over the head with things that I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen instantly. Cause I didn't even know what the fuck I was doing. Right. You know what I mean? I can't say that I even know what I'm doing now. I've just gotten a little more comfortable in what works on stage, what doesn't work yeah. on stage. And some of that's some of that's a thing. Like you don't you don't know that you can't say, you know, Chris Rock level shit until you try it on stage and it right. doesn't work. You don't know that you can't say and a lot of times in the beginning you're trying to find your voice. Now, oh, my yeah. voice now is just the Gary voice, except for it's yeah. louder. But in the beginning, you're trying to figure, okay, who's this? What's this? Yeah. And then yeah. you pick it up from open micers as well. Who like you gotta get shout out to Tadpole Triplet. He yeah. engages the crowd in a completely different way. And he it, 
for him, there's a lot of things in that work. Like the sitting works, his pacing works. He's got wordplay that works. Even when he and when he writes shit down, it works yeah. in a way that couldn't work for other comedians. You know what I mean? What, one thing with him that I wanted to talk to you about is I think like life has a lot to do with it. Like with him, he's had. I want to have him on the podcast because one time I was at a comedy cove. I didn't get to perform, but uh, uh, Max took me and then I stayed and I didn't get to go on. And then Tadpole drove me home and I talked to a Tadpole for like 40 minutes. And his life story is. You're going to find a lot of people with life experiences. And this is one of those ones that are amazing. So, uh, shout, shout out to Tadpole Triple Yeah. So I definitely want to have him on because. His life was just so interesting. Before and a nice guy. And, and, and a nice guy. Like, And he's another one. His character yeah. you know, on stage isn't the, exactly the person yeah. that he is when you get him off stage. And, he, oh, and, it's, yeah. and it's great. And it's you get to lean into the characters like, when you get a chance. Like, you take yeah. a guy. What's Carl going by right now, by the way? What? What's the what's the new one? Mark gets set. Carl, Carl, excuse me, not Carl. Um, oh, Carl, Carl Callen, friend of your Mike. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. now he's not going by Carl Callen right now. He's got another one, and I think it's Mark gets set. But you're talking about leaning in the characters that are completely different than you know who they are as people. Right. He's a complete, and he he builds characters like. Right. Some people work on one character. He's got several characters, and each of these guys have a life, a backstory. It's it's right. tremendous, and that's what you get to. That's what you get to lean into on stage. You know yeah. what I mean? I know you're uh, you're an old '90s wrestling fan. It's kind of like that. It's like you got to yeah. lean into your personality, and although it might not be you, it's an extension of yourself that's like pumped up to eleven. Let's let's talk let's talk wrestling real quick. And do uh, you have? You you're you're constantly making lists, yes. right? So we can't go through your top fifty. We'll be here all day. No, we'll be here all day. Who do, who do you get as a top five? Top five. Top is, five. Uh, your wrestlers. Let's go attitude era. Let's just do the nineties because I don't. Okay. I mean, I know I know the older guys. Yeah. In, I don't so, know anybody past say thousand. I would say uh, <laughs> five, maybe. Well, good. Do you know who Chris Jericho is? I know Jericho. Yep, Jericho. Shawn Michaels, um, who else is there? Uh, Randy Savage, yeah, and, uh, Ricky yeah. Steamboat from that era. Steamboat, yeah, okay. and it's not like Steamboat, like, Steamboat. like I could put in Bret Hart, but like you know, it's, okay. it's interesting that I started watching in two thousand and two, and what was interesting to, about it to me was I never grew up as a in that era where people thought it was real. Like to me, wait, wait, wait. you grew up. Wait, when did you? How old were you in two thousand two? Eight. So, fuck. I was a huge okay. I was a huge (laughs) fan of Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. So I knew, like, oh, so that's the way I kind of viewed it. I was like, oh, this is like all the stuff I love combined. You know, it's like, you know, it's action, it's a story, and they're actually doing stunts and stuff. But it's it was it was different. Before that, before two thousand two, yeah. just because like I, I always point to a lot of things that happened before the internet was so yeah gigantic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when you said when Monday Night Raw came on, 
like that was on in the TV. It came on late, like the parents weren't better, or whatever, yeah. or working or whatever they did. But that was something that like the kids had, like that was on in a family room. Yeah. Maybe you were out in the house doing something. And that glass hit yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, or suddenly, like in the middle, you're in the refrigerator and you you, you smell right. like oh my god. Like your world now shifted to just that. There wasn't you weren't on a phone, you weren't on shit. You were like, yo, and then you had to go in. And if you missed it, like that's what everybody was talking about Tuesday. When you went to school on Tuesday, right. it was like, yo, Stone Cold drove a fucking monster truck over some shit. I missed that day. Right. For some reason, right. I don't know if I fell asleep or some shit. So then everybody comes back. It's one of my favorite moments, but I didn't get to see it live. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those yeah. were the type of thing, and you you hate to miss it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. The, the, it was. And that was also, you got to realize, that was elementary school into, by 2002, yeah, on my way, yeah. By then, by 2002, that's when you start getting pussy. Like, yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that was the transition now, I'm the high, that was the middle school and the high school, post 9-11. That's the thing that's, like, so interesting is, you know, when I was in school, because I was held back in kindergarten, I was always the oldest, like, mm-hmm. uh, all my peers and stuff, and then when I started yeah. doing comedy... I was the youngest. I was 22. Mm-hmm. All these people were mid 20s, early to early 30s, and it was just like an interesting juxtaposition of like, oh, like. Well, I wouldn't just go with that number, and and this is this is where it is. You could meet somebody your age. That listen, I met people your age. By the time they were your age, they had a couple kids under their belt, a right. couple deployments yeah. under their belt, a couple of failed businesses. Hell, by the time I was your age, I already had one of two failed marriages under right. my belt. You know what I mean? So don't let that number just hit you as a thing. Yeah. At the same time, I've also met people who, you know, they didn't start having kids until they were in their 30s. And it seems smarter to do it then. Right. Well, their life experience really didn't kick off until X, Y, Z. I mean, you got to realize that one of my favorite comedians, Bill Burr, yeah. at 33, he was on a fucking futon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now he's in that. Also, probably my number one. Oh yeah. If, if we're going, if we're going through list, that's my personal favorite. Yeah, but I'm a huge fan of his too. I think like with him, what's just so cool about him was that like you don't think about it. Like the thing to me that's interesting is the time you start and the time like a a comedian becomes a professional comedian because that is so interesting. Like a lot of people, like if you look at their Wikipedia and stuff, people will it'll be wrong. It'll be like the first time they got on TV will be like the year they started. It's like, no, like Bill Burr started right, in so, 92. It's like, you know. Yeah, I didn't find Bill. So you found wrestling in 2002. I found Bill Burr in 2002. Uh, yeah. Oh, he, and I found him from the Chappelle right, show. And I was like, because he would do the Chappelle show, yeah. And he was, it was the one, it was like, who's this redheaded white guy? the fucking Chappelle like I knew everybody else I like I, I knew I knew Patrice yeah. I knew Chappelle I'm like what the fuck is this guy and then I just looked him up and that was right around the time he, he just does the, he did the podcast right. every week so suddenly you just listen to this guy and it's and it's just him ranting for oh, no yeah. guests just him ranting but then you figure out later you start to get to know the guy because you listen to him every week yeah. most of his bits come out of rants that he did on his podcast right. like a year earlier so it really that's how he sharpens his iron. And then you look at something that he did for yeah. know, 18 years. So, now, 18 years into a podcast, right. you know what I mean? Now you have something. Right. So I want to ask you, uh, were you 
like this these are all typical like generic questions God, no, were you're you good. Uh, funny as like a kid like what was your like were you like kind of were you um, i can imagine you being like well, a ham like as a kid like i can picture right. that so i'm number five of seven number five of seven adopted kids right. so when you have that many people in your family you're constantly trying to figure out different ways to get attention um, so I did a lot of different, and I wasn't, I wasn't an athlete. I was a skinny little dork. I was into computers. I was, I was, a, I was a geek at a time when that shit wasn't cool. All right. Plus, yeah. and I point this out because where I grew up, no one looked like me. Right. Period. Like, like as, as a black kid, there was no fitting in with right. this, this redneck population. So I instantly made it a point to stand out. I couldn't fit in. You weren't going to. So right. by standing out, I ended up being, I was just social. Right. So right. growing up as a kid, I don't know if I'd say I was the funniest, but all my notes home said, oh, Gary's a good student. Won't, won't stop. Literally, I'd stop people. Like, I'd get up. Right. While right. class is going on, because I had to have a conversation with the person four rows back, and I wouldn't even say "excuse me" or anything. I just get up. Like, yeah. Gary's having his own conversations with people in the back, and that's pretty much been my whole right. life. Like that's just what I do. <laughs> like to me, I was, you know, I didn't get like that. Like when, you know, people were always like messing with me. So like I didn't get like, and I got an attitude when I was like fourteen, and like. And yeah. what was funny was in class, I would make fun of people back and I wouldn't get in trouble for anything I said because I would make the teachers laugh. Yeah. I am certain that your school experience in that because they have to look at that and see. You can see what would happen to a kid. I mean, you know, your awkwardness that you can lean into now as an adult is not conducive to high school. It, it just yeah. isn't. You're a fucking shit in high school. You might also find that later on in life, people come back and be like, listen, I was straight horrible to you. Right. Because you'll, you'll have that. I had people that I had to go back and be, and I wasn't even a horrible kid. It wasn't even, yeah. like, it wasn't even like there was bullying. It was like everybody fucked with everybody. Yeah. I had a friend named, I had a friend who forever, forever, we fucked with him, you know, because he was a little effeminate. Right. Now this is this is this isn't a time. That, no, I'm not talking about gay bash. Right. He was just an effeminate guy. Later on, this guy ends up coming out, you know, like that. Then you got to go back and be like, oh shit, what did I say in 12th grade Spanish? Like, what did I say in 10th grade fucking biology to this kid right. that affected his life? And you need to go back, but that's okay. well, right. Go back. Like, hey, everything cold. Like, oh, I didn't even remember that. It's like, yeah, no, I right. No, that's the transition between, you know, when you're young yeah. and then when you're an adult. You answer for a lot of the shit you do when you're young when you're an adult. That's how it works. I was very, uh, like, as a kid, when I got into, like, my teen years, I was very much, like, a justice person. So, like, if someone was being treated poorly, like, I was in this Spanish class, and there's this kid that I know that has... He has Down syndrome, but it's like very like he's capable of a whole lot. He's super mm-hmm. smart, like capable of a lot. He's right. he's an artist now, and he makes like comic books and animation in uh-huh. college. And cool. But so so his like, adult life, his so adult much. life served him a lot better than high school did. So he was probably getting fucked with as yeah. that'll happen. He was. We had like this weird Spanish class where we had like I was a junior, he was a sophomore. No, I was a I was a sophomore. He was a 
he was a freshman. And then we had all these seniors like in the class too. And I would get so mad at my Spanish teacher because she was a fine teacher, but she was a terrible disciplinarian. And I would yell at her all the time. I'd be like, why aren't you doing anything? And I was really harsh to her when I shouldn't have been because that's not a teacher's job to be able to take care of 16 and 17 year old kids. Were there physical fights in your school? Uh, Once in a while. But once in a while, because they were like a weekly fucking occurrence in high school. Because that's just what it is. When I switched schools because of my mental breakdown in high school, uh, I went to this. Mention that mental breakdown in high school. What? I don't want to run over. That was fine. Mention that mental break in high school. Yeah. And rather than replay all of high school, because listen, high school shitty. It's wall to wall shit. Yeah. But how, how's that changed? How's that changed and made you the comedian? I think now? with me, what's changed is just like it's just I don't have unnecessary uh, what I call unnecessary um, things anymore. You know, with me, like I when I switched schools, the best thing was that it was a smaller school, it was K through twelve, and it was literally like only 100 kids in the entire school so for me it's like you know i didn't even focus on education when i was in school i was like a c student i failed like history a bunch and uh that was like my worst class but like i was a c student uh but i always wanted to like do good i just wasn't like you know i didn't have that like thing because i would go into school and i'd be like okay i have all these people i have to deal with I have this girl that I've, I have this relationship with. Oh, uh, shit. All right. Uh, that's it. That's where we're stopping it. Because, listen, your pacing's going. Listen, the pace of that slowed down, but then you said some shit that we are going to get into. <laughs> Let's talk about the ladies. Yeah. So, 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 no, 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 is I always hung out with girls. No, 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 no. Not then. Oh. Not then. Now. Now. We're going present. Now. We ain't reliving all the high school. Oh. Present. Now. What's going on like, with the ladies now, man? Let's get into it. Come on. So, you got to be one on the line. Like, once in a while, like, I'll meet a girl online and then, like. Right, so when you say you meet a girl online, you're swiping left or right? Yeah, like, like it, I'm doing that. And then, like, it'll be some. Like you can get a good girl out of that. Is, if you it'll be some like emo girl, and she'll send. Is that me, what like, you're looking for? And she'll send me like a Snapchat of like her boobs. That'll happen like every six months to me. <laughs> Come on, and, and, no, no, no! You're not allowed to just breeze by that like it's nothing. Yeah. Okay. Boobs cost money, or time, or investment, or something. So. I because here, here's here's the thing. Here's why I bring this up. Yeah. I'm always excited for the progress that people make in their yeah. life and the shit that's gonna happen. So you started mentioning a girl in high school. Yeah. I'm gonna guess that that hasn't worked out. No. So so how are we moving forward in the? Did you ever end up doing that strip club? Uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Have you ever been? And you've never been. No. Strip club isn't a place to pull a lady. Yeah, my friend. You know what I mean? But my friend Timmy wants to take me there. He's like, oh, pestering me about that. It's Tim, friend of the yeah, friend of the podcast and almost host 
of the roast of Richard Dweck, yeah. Mitch Tits Timmy? Yeah. Your best friend? Yeah. He's like, me and him. You, you and him are going to go to a strip club? He wanted to. Can you please ever. listen? Before you do any more of this awkward shit, you, you need to start capitalizing on serious investment. Yeah. Take you and Bitch Tits Timmy and a camera. And I know you're not allowed to record, yeah. but you say you're making a show or something. Talk to somebody that knows what the fuck they're doing. Talk to friend John B. Croft, have him bring a camera. Yeah. Because that shit would be hilarious. Oh, yeah. It would be. Well, just just you just you too. Yeah. Listen, let me let me let me ask you this. How many guests have you had on this podcast? Uh four. Four. So I will be number yes. five. Were any of them wanted men? Sorry, I didn't hear you. What? Were any of them wanted? Wanted? Yes. Like, what do you mean? Dead alive. Oh, I don't think so. I just... Oh, okay, cool. I'm just going to hold on to that. We'll remember that later okay. in, like, 30 more podcasts. I'll come back to that, and I'll, I'll tie that all in. Right. Anyway. Yeah, so, I have a ton of people that I want. So I, I have it scheduled to up to December of all the guests that I want. So I have a ton of people that are coming on and I'm very excited for that. And I'm happy that I got you because, you know, I was, I was just trying to find people right away and it wasn't like. I think I'm going to become a professional podcast guest where I just show up. Right. Because I said I was going to start a podcast for like two years. Recorded a couple. It just, it never, it just fucking looks good or sounds good. Or I take too long, and then it's like everything I'm talking about is a month away. So I'm just going to start showing up to other people's podcasts, right. and then I'm going to start telling people I have a podcast that may or may not exist. <laughs> start right. going to people places, right. and then I'll be like, "Did you hear my podcast?" It's like, "Yeah, no, I heard the last right. one." And just find out live. Tremendous. Yeah. All right. What so, else you got for me, my man? Uh, I asked about your family a little bit. Were they? Uh, how much was like? I know you're. You, you seem like, you know, I was looking at, I was looking up stuff to like see what you liked. And I saw the Bill Burr stuff and I saw Ralphie May and I was like, oh, I love those two guys. And I was like, mm-hmm. I wondered, like, growing up, was your family into comedy? Were you guys like big into big comedy fans? No, no, they, they weren't at all. The, the whole family was in a thousand different directions. Um, I didn't even get, I got into comedy and nobody else was because comedy was on late. This is, this is still like a little bit before YouTube and shit. So I got into comedy. Um, me and my friends had the illegal HBO hookup. Right. right? I don't even know if you remember those. It was just this box. And you had a, like, anyway, so we're watching this fucking guy rant and fucking rave. We're pissing our pants. And I'm like 13, 14 years old, just sleeping over my fucking friend's yeah. house. We didn't even catch the name. Right. You know what right. I mean? Because we're stupid teenagers. So. We are going on talking about this angry fucking white guy right. for the next like three months until they showed it again on HBO because that's how they work. Right. Turns out that guy was fucking George Carlin. Oh, but as yeah. soon as I saw that, yeah, I didn't know what the fuck it was. This is angry white guy fucking yeah. yelling into a fucking microphone. I'm just like, oh. And that's when I started finding other comedians and I found um, BET's Comic View and fucking all the back death jam shit. You just gotta understand where I live. I didn't even know about that. So right. I got to catch up on like a catalog of shit of all the comedy from the 90s, yeah. all the great guys. But up until being a teenager, I didn't even get to see any of that because like my life was sheltered. Uh, and I saw that. I'm like, yo, comedy is fucking shit. But I didn't end up even trying it for another 15 years. You know what I mean? 
by shelter, do you mean like very, uh, like very religious? <laughs> well, we, we grew up Catholic. Yeah. You know I mean? so. so you're not growing up Catholic. Very religious, but they definitely get the guilt in. Everybody in the world, everybody in my area, everybody went to right. It was a whole fucking thing. Everybody got the confirmation at the same time. You got the same day off of school, right? That whole thing. Were you very religious? No, but parents sent you off to CCD every fucking Wednesday because it was a free day for them. Right. Well, not really with my parents. They had other shit. But they had seven kids. Right. You know, so no, I wasn't very religious, but I was raised with a lot of guilt. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to, like, I wanted to switch into this. I didn't know how to parlay into this, but it's so interesting parlay. to me. Is, uh, you were in the Army, right? What? You were in the Army? I was. Uh, when was that? So... I was in the army from 2006 to 2008, which isn't a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the weird thing is, is I did a combat MOS. I didn't see any combat. Let's just get those two things out of the way. Mm-hmm. At, at, the, at the same time, there was a war going on. I didn't get to go to it, but I, I was in, I was stationed up at a place called Fort Drum. All of my time there, it's right off the Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I when I went in, when I went in. I was a young kid. I thought I was going to be twenty-two. I grew up. I grew up really like all of a sudden. Mm. It was a it was a rough. Not so much that it was a rough time, but post nine eleven, America yeah. was a very very like I don't want to say that they pushed young, boys, but they found they found the perfect. Candidates and then go into the oh, military. Yeah. You know, no cars, no anything like that. Decent shape. So I get a call when I'm in college. Right. Uh, my spring break, actually. And they're like, hey, how are you enjoying college? I'm like, college sucks. Right. I'm a freshman. I don't know Dick. They're like, oh, well, why don't you come over here? So I went over to a recruiting station like an idiot right. to go see the car salesman of the Army who can talk into just about anything. That's the whole fucking job. Right. But they show me this action movie. That's like a 60-second Black Hawk Down commercial. I'm like, I could do that? Yeah, you could do that. Little I know. That's just the fucking first video they show you. So I I go in, I go to be a Cav Scout, and that's what I did. I served my country. I did my time. I got out. Oh, you're a veteran. I'm like, yeah, technically, yes. But in, in, in the most technical sense of the word, yes. There was a war going on. So you didn't see any. What did I do? No, no, I didn't. But and that to me for a long time, I like I beat myself up over that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then I came back and then a little later I ran to other people and it's like the amount of people that joined the military is like less than one percent of the yeah. population. And then the amount of that that actually sees combat downrange right. is a smaller percentage of that than what right. I mean you know what I mean? I didn't know. I didn't even know that other people didn't see combat. So when I left, I'm like, oh, well, then that was a waste right. of two fucking years. And it's like, nope, you just, that's where I fell. Did it, it must have helped with, uh, that's a, like a great, like, you know, it's, I have my opinions on war and stuff, but like, that seems like a great place to sort of learn, uh, you know, hard work. And um, 
like discipline. Yeah, okay. So it definitely disciplined me and molded me. So there, there, there are positives for a young kid that was where I was mentally and physically. It definitely molded me. It made me who I am mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, as far as how I direct myself. Right. Um, right. But it wasn't. It wasn't all good. Uh, not everything that I learned is, you know, practical. It wasn't practical to then go into a job market in 2008 when the economy right. cracked, yeah. like, what's yeah. your experience? And my friends that, you know, they went the college route, whereas I went the military route. Right. My friends with college degrees can't get jobs. And then it's like, oh, the economy's tanked, so you're kind of fucked. What did you do? And it's like, I was in the Army. What did you do in the Army? Anything useful? And it wasn't even, what did you do anything useful? Oh, you were in the Army? Follow-up question within 35 seconds. Did you shoot anybody? Right. Did you kill anybody? And this is right after 9-11, so people want to fucking know. And it's like, no. But then as I got older, I just start kind of turning that question back on people. Anybody? Right. What you doing? You know what I mean? And it's, and it's, it's one of those things that when I was 23, you know what I mean? I just got out of the army. Right. I was almost mad at myself for not shooting anybody, which now in my 30s is the most absurd thought ever. Oh, yeah. I think they're like... When they talked somebody in their young 20s and managed to get them into a mental mindset where I was okay yeah. with justifiable homicide in the name of country. But in my 30s, I'm very glad that I'm not dealing with that. I have a friend right now, I have multiple friends that are combat veterans. Right. We're right. still dealing with the fact that it's not like in video games where they let you go back and see, you know, what was your body count and this, that, and the third. He's a machine gunner. He doesn't even know. Right. He has no idea. He knows people shot at him, so he knows he had to shoot back, and he knows the shooting stopped. That's the reality of the situation yeah. that he went into before getting blown up. It's all before fucking 21. You know what I mean? Yeah. I enjoyed it for what it was, but it's not something that I like to carry into my, into my 30s. You know? Right, yeah. Somebody even your age is like, hey, I'm thinking about joining the military. Be like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Is there any way that you can do what you want to do without joining the military? Right. Do it that way. Now, if you want to fucking go and blow some shit up, go to the Air Force. Ask to be an explosives person. Right. Work that route. Because at least when you join the Air Force, they take care of their people when they get out or you have a career ready. For right. You. I joined the Army, dude. The, 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 what I know how to do is shoot, move, and communicate. That's what I took from there. Outside of the discipline and the ability right. to deal with people and the, uh, the the things that they get to, that you get to keep with yourself, like this idea that whenever I'm in a room, start sizing up the room. Right. Like it's it just it's just what you do. Like it's how you were trained. I don't know how they turn that button on in my head, but there's almost no way to turn that off. Right. And that's how veterans end up spotting right. other veterans. The guys that were in the military end up spotting other guys in the military. You can see there's a certain look, a certain way that you just spot them, even without having any insignia or anything that says military. A lot of guys now, and I don't really, I don't like to self-identify too much. Like I don't, I don't like to say that I was ever in the military. It comes right. to me question. Even what I'm going through now that I can't mention. That shit all stems from a job that I was doing where I was helping something that mm -hmm. where homeless veterans shouldn't exist. Oh yeah. So so that's that's the field I was dealing into prior to December 2019.
know, and right. so that's anyway. one of my uh, like one of the things that I really believe in is that we need to treat the troops better because, like, to me, I'm always like, I don't really, I don't really know like how to describe my feeling towards this country. Like the way I would describe it is, I love this country in the way that someone loves their murderous rapist son. It's like it feels like an obligation in a way. But yeah, there's, and I mean, there's a certain things. thing, and that that whole that whole duty on our country thing, you know, that that was that was pushed hard. You have to understand, September 11, 2001 fucking happened yeah. live. I walked in the class, and that shit happened. So then, the immediate thought you have to realize the the narrative of the country at that time. Yeah. Got a lot of people to sign up. That's that's what they did. But realize that the people that that sent us there, or sent, not sent us there, because like I said, I spent all my time in New York. The people that did the sending of troops to places to do things aren't the people that are left pulling the trigger. Usually, I noticed what. And they, noticed. yeah, that's yeah, a huge I mean, distinction. You know what would what's going to be crazy for you to well, not crazy, but this will probably blow your mind a little bit. I was seven years old when. Uh, 9-11 happened mm-hmm. and to me it's like I don't remember like the day but I just remember like it was kind of like how COVID is now for my nephews of like yeah it was what it was it was one of those it was one of those time altering events yeah. that is the time before that and the time after that and then you know about 20 years later you have another one of those yeah and here we are at about 20 years later looking at another time changing event but it's not the last one that you're going to see right. It just is so fascinating you know, to think back then and like think of like just how much like just it affected and that's that's a back then for you that's yeah. that's an other day for me and then another you have thing to realize that, that that time goes short another thing that's uh, that like a lot of people don't know about is uh, and I don't like mind talking about it a little bit but uh like you know my family isn't like super rich but upper class a little bit and my uh, parents like really the 2008 recession that was terrible for my dad and his store and just everything mm-hmm. that was a big uh that was a big problem for a lot of people i'm surprised you don't lean into that more and i am gonna and i'm gonna I say so like this you don't come off on you don't come off really as i have money pretentious Oh, I, I've met people that have money that, like, I've met guys your age that had the brand new white BMW and the fucking Affliction shirt, and I aged myself by doing those two things. But that is what other people with money your age looks like. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that you don't look like that, but you don't come off in a way that, oh, I have money. To be honest with you, in, in some ways, I feel like you almost go in the opposite. Well, I'm almost trying to relate to, to me. You know what I mean? I was always so embarrassed by it. We were always very humble. Like my my sister and my brother weren't like it at all either. But like I would just get so mm-hmm. embarrassed when people, when kids would come over to my house and they'd be like, "Oh, your house is huge," and I'd be like, "I've lived in this house my entire life, and I've never noticed the size of it." Yeah. And yeah. I've never like thought about it, and it always made me feel bad because I knew like other people didn't have this stuff, and I was very privileged and. To me, like, and it's also it's also relative. And like to me, my house was huge. Like even now, I realized there were ten people in there. <laughs> you know, even now I'm not like a big like 
money person kind of to my judgment i don't really like to me it's like i live very i can live very uh like simply it's like you know yeah and to me i I, I think that's also an affordable that's also a very uh privileged thing too to have and also i have like a lot of safety nets and stuff and it's just like yeah i was gonna mention that the the this is something that is not really gonna hit you until people have those safety you know what i mean and it's good to have them it truly is it keeps you it, it really does it keeps you in a place where you're good but just know that most people operating do not come with those safety yeah zero safety net zero extra dollar zero i can call my mother and see if they can help me out like most people don't have that and i'm not saying that you should look at that as a bad thing it's a great thing to have those things but realize that when you're explaining those things to people a lot of people don't have that a lot of people don't have those people most people don't have two supportive parents that fucking love them For you to be in the comedy, especially for you to be in the comedy world, and then to come from that place of like, yeah. it's almost like did you watch. Did you watch that movie, The Dirt? What? Uh, it was it was the, the Dirt. It was about Motley Crue. Oh no! And they go commercials for it. Okay. So anyway, the the point I'm bringing up is all the rest of those guys came from broken homes, except Tommy Lee, right. who just came from. He came from an upbringing like yours, where the parents were very loving and right. supportive, showed right. up to the shows and shit. Yeah. But he's running around with the most drug-like, adult, like crazy, degenerate people, and in a lot of ways, that kind of mirrors where you're, where you are. Is you think there's something in it where you almost want to be like, right? That in a bit, like, is there a part of you that almost wishes? I think you didn't have to, to me, what it is is like, I kind of view it as like I'm not a big like spiritual person, but like I sort of view a lot of the stuff, the caveats that I have is karma so like when people say like oh you have so good but yeah it's like well i have mental illness i've had anxiety since i was five and depression since i was 16 and i've and i've had a you use that i have learning disabilities like minor ones and i'm like terrible at math and like all of those things that you're explaining to me as if they're bad things I, i i you use those now the three of those things that you just described as negatives are things that I've seen you use on stage. Yeah. That nervous energy, you can't make up. Oh, yeah. You can't. Listen, there's some things that you could fix. Could you get a double XL shirt to make sure you're covering your stomach? Yeah, but it would take away from some of yeah. it. Could you watch the stairs so that you don't trip on your way up or down? Yeah, but oh, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to. I, and there's parts of that. It's like I wonder how much of that is no, him, that's me. and that's, how much of that is the act. That's me. You know what I mean? Like, I have a lot of, you know, I call it arrested development. Just like, you know, it just has always been that way for me. And you know, I'm yeah. very, you know, it's like it's weird because it's like I have this sort of safe surrounding where I have it, but also I definitely should have feel like I should have had certain things where I should have learned more independence like that's the one thing that i really regret with my most of my life is like i sort of needed like i think it would have been helpful for me if i had certain things like just didn't have certain things to like didn't uh, yeah or didn't have, like i was so and now you wouldn't be the same person but if dad and mom did lose, let's say they didn't have the things that they, they currently have. And I'm not yeah. saying that you're leaning on mom and dad. I'm just saying, let's say mom and dad each worked 
each worked for the store rather than own the store right. or whatever. You wouldn't have that safety net, but that would have also changed who you were. Yeah. You might have ended up at the age of 18 with no safety net looking at the army like it was going right. to save your life. You know what I mean? But now where you're at, you're like, oh, that doesn't that doesn't add up. Right. And here's the thing. You're closer to 30 than you are to 20. Right. And that's why I keep steering you away from high. And I think with being like. You know, that, that shit's never coming back. I think with like inching towards 30 now, to me, it's like I want the independence and i you definitely want my 30 like, dude to me i have like i have a lot of grand goals but also i have a lot of smaller ones too and so 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 then what do you want by 30 by 30 i at least want to have like my own place that i'm staying at and like that's okay. it and like a day job like that's the two things that i need is like to be like fine like to be fine's not the right word but like solid <laughs> no no i understand what you're saying now let me speak to you as the older man who has had both of those things, both had them and taken away from them multiple times. Yeah. Multiple things. I've had multiple careers. Neither one of those fucking things are going to make you happy, Arkwet. Right. But here's what I see from you. Because there's one thing that I've seen whether you fucking kill or bomb, and that's you on stage. So I wouldn't focus so much of that, oh, I'm going to point all of my energy into making sure that I go into the rat race and I have a job and a house and a car. That's what they told yeah. you to do. What? Yeah, don't do not do that. Don't do that shit. You've got, you've got the freedom and the safety net to really take this thing to the next oh, level. Yeah. What I would see you doing, honestly, man, man to man, those things, separate, license, car, Spots from fucking Maine down the fucking you go yeah. up to Maine all the way down to Delaware. All you need is a license and a car. Yeah. So we're talking about an, a decent car, which you could yeah. get because you've got some family. Yeah. You could go to your family and, and then you know the job. But what do you need the job with the get with gas to get right. back and forth? Then you could actually start hitting different places. You know what I mean? And then rather than being going to bringer shows, you could yeah. hey. I got this stupid little Prius that I could fit three other comedians and me to. Now I can just show up where I yeah. want and be like, hey. That's like part of my like, reason for getting car and stuff. It's just like, you know, and learning to drive. That, but that's more That's more what you should do. That's where you should point yourself to. Not I need a job and a fucking house. That shit will sink you. Yeah. Get your license in a car, my man, and watch that career boost. Yeah. Because here's the, thing that, here's the thing that I do see in you. And I'm not trying to turn no, this into a gift-sucking contest. But... More than a lot of people, you actually put effort into being on stage. Does it always work? No. But you put the effort into well, I mean, it. Me, in a lot of ways, I love it so much. In a lot of ways, people have to look at you and be like, shit, I could be doing. I think Angelo brought this up more than once, but it's like, I should be doing more of what Dweck is doing. Oh, that's very nice of you to say. No, but that's so funny. Now, now, I'm not saying that I should do everything that Dweck is doing, but there's a lot of the Oh yeah, and, and I feel like there's people, that, and, and I'm I'm not naming names because I don't know right. who they are, but I feel like there's people like to me don't put in as much effort, and you, and, it, and it plays on stage. Ryan, so what are you focused on? You're focused on at least doing stand up. There's a couple of people like that. Right. Your good friend right. Dan Caprio. I had to mention him. Yeah. Had to mention. I have to mention the, have to mention real quick Dan Caprio and Liam Burdett. Yeah. 
Good friends. He was my uh, of yours. second guest, uh, Dan. Good friends of yours. Like, I think some, sometimes people don't understand that. That's a fantasy no, of mine is like, you know how you were talking about like doing that stuff, like going to me and doing that type of traveling. Like, I would love to be like, I wouldn't ever ask him this, like to do this. But like one of my like goals, like not goals, but like fantasies would be to open for Dan on the road. Because I feel like that would be a great <laughs> duo of like, you know. No, you guys, you guys have a good duo. There's a camaraderie. There's a camaraderie there that comes, and and I've I've talked. I'm only a couple. Of, I'm like a half years. Younger. I'll let you do the math. Right. Um, but we we we've talked about this, and sometimes people think like he's fucking with you in a way. It's like no, this is like an older brother. No, we're thing. A- and there is that there, there's a camaraderie with you two that you like to see, especially when you guys go back and forth. I don't like when other people start tagging right. in, but it's well, like your two's back and forth. When I first met him, when I first met him, he immediately did it, but he was nice to me afterwards and he was like, Oh, this is just him. And we immediately formed like it's a lot like wrestling. Like we're, we're it's extremely like that. You know, wrestlers are like best Yeah, friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a face and there's a face and heel to it. Like you know, the, the, so on stage, you know, it's, it's kind of yeah. hard because a lot of it is, and most of it is for show. So it's like, you know, it is, but there's also everything that he said to you oh. comes from like a place of like almost like advice. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's just how, that's just how it has to be delivered sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes it's like, for sure. Hey, listen, and there's things that you've picked up and done. And even like we, we've had larger conversations that right. you've seen improvements to you. Even when it's just like, hey, I know you gotta fucking get an Uber out of here, but charge your goddamn phone right. so that you can stay and see a couple of people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's and then you, you know, and you saw improvement come out of right. that. Now here's the thing, you say you do a lot of old jokes. Like you'll be on stage, you'll try something new, yeah. a minute and a half, and you'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go to this old joke. Right. What I've been doing. I have to ask. I have to ask you why you tell. Why do you tell the crowd you're doing an old joke? And my only and and I really ask this because and I learned this from doing music. They don't fucking know. Right. Nobody, especially with you, it's not like you're repeating or regurgitating the same information. Unless you're talking about, oh well, I have a a silly goose. I don't know why I say that. I thought just like embroidered in my mind of like that one's a comfortable. That one's you're comfortable to go back to. If you get lost, you know you can go back to silly goose. In my notes app, I have old jokes, new jokes, and to me, it's like I've been doing this since 2015, so I've always had. So I have stuff from back then that. So you have a repertoire. So. To Don't me, tell us. It's like whenever I say like, "Oh, I have this old joke." It's always like, "What I mean is, this may be good and this might not be good." So it's like, "No, no, 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 no." Here's what I want you to do. It's like what my try not doing. No, it's the only advice that I'm going to give in this entire thing because I think everybody yeah. should do comedy the, like the way they do it. Yeah. Do one set where you don't mention whether a joke is new or yeah, old. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because we don't, except with the exception of, listen, you're not, you're not. You're not sick Vic. You're not coming out right. there with the same set. So for you to tell us that it's new or old, it sets the joke up to not be good because it's like, oh, I'm going to try this one again. It didn't work as great. No, set every right. joke up. Like, right. yo, this shit's going to make you laugh. Right. This shit's going to make you laugh. And it's not even that you have that level of confidence. Right. Don't tell us it's old. One thing I'm very proud of old. with that whole joke 
is that it's the first thing that I have a uh, like a whole routine around that starts. Like I start with the Kanye bit, and then mm-hmm. I start with talking about like how, and that goes into the phrase "silly goose." And before that, before was that, that your fir- was that your first? And I will call that a well-rounded bit. Yeah, that has the a, beginning, the middle, setup, well-rounded bit. Was that your first one that was complete like that? Yeah. Because okay. the first, because the first one is that I talk about my body and how it's falling apart, and that in the morning when I walk down the stairs, my heels crack, and it doesn't hurt, but it's just a thing that like I have. Yeah, to well, no, no, that's never gonna get better. That's never so, gonna get better. Remind me, listen, real quick. Put a pin in you hurting your dick. So that becomes a callback at the end of the joke. Yeah. With the silly goose thing, where I'm like, I go downstairs and I see this, this goose. That's like an actual goose, like sitting in a suit. And it's like my legs are cracking. I can't deal with it. But the thing for me is like trying to explain the absurd jokes that I do because I want to set the scene in people's heads. Like I had a. Yeah, uh, listen. I've always had. But listen. Jokes, so like. Yeah, you should. But there's no need to. Ex- yeah. It, it, the, I always leave it on the audience to just figure it the fuck yeah. out whether you like it or not, whether whether it's going to hit him or like not. One joke. The one that you do, but you do have a joke that you do that involves none of that. You don't need to explain right. it, and it's a, and it's almost a slapstick joke. Right. And to me, how did you fucking crush your dick? Listen, I have <laughs> two garbage cans in my house. Two. I have a two garbage cans in my house with the metal fucking closing lid. I have been trying to figure this out. It's not that. It's like being the misses for a fucking while. We, we're just not doing. I'm. I'm. I'm not trying to dissect no, it's like a joke. Machine. It's like a. You know. It's like one of those machines, like where you when you it crushes stuff when you press the button and stuff. But it's like to me, what happened was I was step. I stepped on the little thing that closes. Are it. you talking about the trash compactor? Yeah, yeah. Next to the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. Slide shut like a drawer. Yeah. So you slammed your dick in a drawer. Yeah, basically. Okay, you got to tell people that because I'm thinking you're fucking. Now I got a completely different yeah. idea of how that so happened. I can tell you what happened. To I was. No, you don't. You don't. I want you to save it for okay. stage. <laughs> save that one for yeah. stage. Don't burn bits on a it. podcast. Like, like a trash compactor. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. All right. It still doesn't make much sense, but at least there, there's a little more. There's a little more margin. Right. Fucking error there. And you doing it. Okay. So that was what happened. Now, now let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And I know, like I said, I end up interviewing. No, it's fine. How much since, because I remember, how much more have you been paying attention to what other people are doing with not even like a critical eye, like I could do that, but more of like a, because I see, you're the reason why I make sure I have a shirt that goes well past my belt. Oh, yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. How much are you paying attention to people to see, like, oh, I do that. Oh, I shouldn't do that. Ooh, like, I think I've always done are that. Are you like, doing that, or are you just kind of holding off of what you do and focusing on yourself? And, I mean, there's no right answer here. I'm just kind of... You know what? It always surprises me to learn that people do that. Like, I thought that was only a thing that I did, because I think when you're... Like, I think a lot of stuff we learn through is mimicry, and, like, monkey see, monkey do. You're like, oh, this is, you know... And you're not, and you don't want to steal. I'm not talking about stealing. No. I'm talking about you see somebody do something. It's like you know, what, maybe I'll try that. Yeah. And then, like, did you have a comedy outfit? I did. Or did you have a different comedy name when you first started? No, but I had an outfit. When okay. I did shows, I would wear a nice shirt. 
like a nice like shirt or a nice sweater and then I would wear sweatpants and then I would wear my shoes that were not sneakers not this not the velcro sneakers but the like shoes that don't have uh don't have that are just like slip on don't have uh laces or nothing. okay all right so I'd wear those oh, that would be my outfit and what it was oh, was God. you know it was I look like I look like ready to go to like church or uh or like <laughs> temple but I look like that mixed with someone who's like, this is Saturday. I'm still wearing sweatpants. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, and I've seen, I've, I've seen those, I've seen those guys, the guys that are kind of dressed for Temple, but they're also wearing sweatpants. Yeah, yeah, so that's like no. My vibe. And that's, like, but now your your look now. I mean, you got the sweatpants, you've got the shoes. I don't know if the shirts is an actual conscious decision or not, but I mean, it's a party you now. Know, it's interesting. I never used to have like certain things. Like I was. I was never really super into music when I, I loved music when I was a kid and I sang and stuff, but like now I have certain bands that I love and certain things in pop culture that I love that I can wear that sort of fits me. It's like, you know, if you see me like in a Blink-182 shirt, that kind of makes sense to me. You see me in a Power Ranger shirt, that kind of makes sense to like a little bit more about me. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, like that doesn't come as a shock. Like if I come in with a Power Ranger shirt. <laughs> All right, so so let's go back to naming names and let's go to the B because most of the people that are going to listen to this yeah. are at the break. Who has the best comedic look? And this is a question that I don't think anybody's asked. Who there is actually like put time into how they look? Like I have I have two answers, but I want to know what yours is. Hmm. One. I would say is this is a technical answer because I don't know if it counts for your question, but is Jordan because what he does with a lot of his stuff is it's a lot of personal mechanical stuff. You're talking about Jordan, the one with the the auto tuner and he says a bunch of funny shit and then there's the thing that fucking changes. Yeah, yeah. That Jordan, Jordan M. Yeah, yeah, Jordan M. Yeah, he does the. Can't, can't, we're not gonna, we're not gonna try to butcher his last name. Right. He does the like, all that mm-hmm. that uh, mechanical stuff, and it's great. But like another person, I would think, and he doesn't put much into it. Like I don't think is a uh, is Dan. Like he dresses like pretty well for himself. Dan, Dan. Yeah, Caprio. Dan know, he dresses really Dan well. Dan Caprio. Himself. Thank you. Yeah, there's more Dan's. I'm like Dan, Dan who? There's a couple Dan different Caprio, Dan's. Could also be could also be Dan Farley. Like yeah. I don't know, I don't know who you're talking and about. I would think See, my, my my answers are different. My answers are different. Another person who might surprise you as an answer is uh, Liam, because he sort of reminds me of me Liam has some stuff. of the best shirts in the game. Stuff that, like, listen, I will go out and sit. Look, hold on, don't yeah, interrupt sorry. this. Liam Burdett Wolf. Yeah, has some of the best shirts in the game. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Hands fucking down. He's got a couple of old school WWF shirts that I don't know if anybody even fucking noticed because it'll be like he'll put on that shirt and then put on like a fucking uh, button now that's opened over it and it's like nobody nobody noticed that. But that's not even who my answer is going to be. One, got to give it to Angelo Ginger. Oh, yeah. You got to give it to him on fuck alone. I don't know how deep his shoe game goes. I don't even know if that's something he does on stage or just something he does in life. But him, 
And then as comedy goes, the fucking the the outfit. Actually, I'm gonna tie him for outfit. Tadpole triplets outfit. Oh yes. Oh, you know what I mean? That that's a uniform. That is a uniform. Like Carl kind of has. A- Have you seen the shirt? Have you seen the shorts that he wears with the eyes? He's got a couple of different... Like, the shorts with the eyes are actually his old uh, MMA shorts. Yeah? yeah? He used to do mixed martial arts and... I know he used to do MMA. I didn't know those, those were his shorts, but he has that... Yeah, with the eyes and stuff. Like, like that. that whole look, you can't, you can't replicate that, but also it's not... I mean, there's a commitment to that yeah. look, especially with the face and the hair, because... Go back in his past a little bit. You take a look at who Tadpole was as just a, 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 a without the beard. That's a good looking yeah. man. And I wonder how much I wonder how much of that handsomeness he tried to play that. Hey, he's a handsome man. Oh yeah. But I wonder how much of that beard was. He can't be. He can't really be handsome on stage. I yeah. don't. I don't think. I don't know too many like beautiful comedians. Yeah. I mean, everybody's decent looking. Right. All right. Like. Caprio is a decent yeah. gentleman. Um, I don't know if everybody else doesn't look like a complete degenerate for the right. most part. Uh, what else? Do we do? So what else? So you got? We're talking about that. Yeah, I, I, you, you brought up Angelo. I think he's the next guest. I don't know, but Angelo yeah. is an interesting thing because he's always been like, in my mind, the host. Like to me, what was what kind of sucked about what was kind of interesting to me was when I got into the scene in 2015, like stand up had only really like, there were older guys in like farther mm-hmm. in New Jersey, but like in my scene in the Jersey short, it didn't start until 2012 with Angelo. And he was yeah, like, Angelo. he was like a host. And the thing that like people don't understand, the, pe- the thing that people don't understand is before Brighton, he had tons of, he would have a show, he would have an open mic for like two weeks and it would close down immediately. Something would happen, some deal would be off, something would be fucked yeah. up. So I feel really happy for him with the, with the Brighton because he finally has a thing now that's like stable. Yeah, and I think it works perfectly for him too in the way his life works because, I mean, the other, the other, some odd hours, he's a completely different person. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's one of the few, he's one of the few that has an actual whole life yeah. outside of, like, some people are half in and half out. Some people have, you know, lives that exist. And then some people are just waiting to go on stage next. Right. Angelo has a whole other life and then still manages to be so committed and supportive and helpful to the Jersey Shore scene. I don't know I don't know how far New Jersey should be without taking his own effort. Right. Do you think we grew a lot? I mean, before COVID, I'd say 2019 was growing a lot of people. The fact that we were able to hold two different throats. We have to talk about your rope. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about your rope. Uh, uh, you want to know what's interesting about oh, that? I want to throw that off real quick. How much progress do you think we made in January of 2019 and December of 2019? That was that was a big year. 
It was a big year comedically. Uh, I think for me, it was uh, just I, I kind of got to a place where I worked on myself more social skills wise with comedy because that's been like my main thing is always trying to be a better hang. Like, like I think you know, the roast helps with that. The roast helps with that. The first roast, we're going to get into yours. Realize the first roast. Oh, yeah, Carl. The build up to that made it so bad because you had to. How are you going to make a joke off somebody you only know? I remember when I walked into the bright and I started writing everybody's name down just so I could kind of remember that. You know what I mean? Because everybody was just a white guy at first. That's, that's what I wrote down for like five comedians in a row. And then I'm like, I really got to figure out something fucking else here because it ain't working. I, I, um, I said this on, oh, sorry. I said this on Eric's podcast. I said this on Eric's podcast. Eric, 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 Eric. Back? Yeah, when I was on his podcast, I mentioned. I said this story was uh, when I, you know, what I was thinking at a Carl's yeah. roast, like when it was going on, I was like, I want one. <laughs> I was like, yes. I was like, I'm kind of like Carl. Like people kind of have this like thing about me where they make fun of me. I can do this. So yes, my Highway Diary with Eric Hollerback. Another good listen. Yeah. I had two episodes with him, and he just did my last episode of my podcast, so he's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we got to get into that roast, and I really think that there could be, there could be a Richard Dweck roast, too. Oh, yeah. Right? There could be. You have to get a couple people involved. Obviously, I don't know, like, the the thing that could have made that over the top outside of general promotion and the poster and the things yeah. we've already spoke about is Dan Caprio. Oh, got yeah. Adam host. You know what? Dan was actually, I don't know, I think we talked about it on the podcast when he was on. Dan actually wants to do it like at a, like he wants to find an actual like small theater to do it in. Yeah. And like really make it like a show. Like Yeah, and because if you really, if you really, listen, if you put the kind of promotion with the kind of momentum that came off of the, because the Carl, Carl Cowan's roast, roast of Carl Cowan, yeah. on by the committee. Just check them out. Um, they got a whole Facebook and everything. But that whole roast, I think, pushed the momentum for all of 2019. You saw everybody getting better. You saw everybody getting to know each yeah. other. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is because I want 2021 to have another one. Yeah. Everybody had to get to know each other just enough. It's like, listen, I'm going to say some fucked up shit about you based off of things you said about yourself. Had to get to know people. And I think everybody got a little better. It's also for me the time when I got off paper. Yeah. Vin Brew came in today, and I don't even know if he remembers saying it because I don't think it was a joke that he had written down, but he was talking about. uh, he comes in and everybody's still like jotting shit down on paper. And he said something along the lines of pencils down before you come. Like, Oh, I think, but he just, he, he just said, I don't know. These guys are taking notes. They're obviously not going into jokes or something right. like that. He said, he worded it in a way that only Vin Brew can. Right. Another one of your friends said it in a way that it was like, Oh shit, I don't need these fucking notes anymore. If I can't remember it, I probably shouldn't say right. it unless right. it's like I'm trying to remember too. Like I still every now and then have like a whole idea in my phone. Like oh, 
don't forget to talk about purple dicks here or right. something. You know right. what I mean? But not I, I stopped writing out whole bits on the yellow notepad. You know what I mean? You want to know something that's like, you know how you were asking me about like my material and stuff? Uh, mm-hmm. This is kind of, I've mentioned this before, but my writing process is so weird because ever since I had that mental breakdown in 2011, I've had insomnia. So mm-hmm. the way I write jokes is they come at night. So I'll be like playing video games at like three in the morning and then I'll be listening to a podcast or listening to music or just like thinking about my day and be like, and something will come to my mind. People, like, his, people, his jokes come to him while he's, listen, we got to say what you say. Your jokes come to you while you're jerking off. And it's okay. <laughs> you can just stay. You just Someday. say you painted the picture. It's three o'clock in the morning. It's dark. Everybody's asleep. They think I'm playing video games. <laughs> no shit. It's okay. That, that's listen. I've come up with jokes while fucking. That's why a lot of my jokes they point to my dick. That's where they come up. The creative juices come from where they come right. from. In your balls. <laughs> I Stay. I wanted to say this. Uh, this is like the longest. Uh episode i've done so far so i'm a chatty motherfucker man i'm a chatty motherfucker plus i'm trying to get this to go i have I'm, I'm now in competition with angelo gingerelli so i'm going for time i'm going for the fact that you're talking to a wanted man listen listen let me tell you something let me tell you something this is very important mm-hmm. they wanted me to come in they wanted me to come in and i told them I got a podcast of Richard Dwork. I can't. Oh. I'm totally kidding. That's not what I did. <laughs> I called a lawyer and that, that's, that's what I did. But I felt like, fuck, we did. No, man, I had to do I had to do this podcast. I had to make it long. I had to have conversations with you. Yeah. Because it's fun. And then we got to round out because we got to get to. This is why I think you'd probably close it, if not close to there, because you're at an hour and 20. Yeah. Your roasts. Roast, my Oh, name. you want well, what do you want to know about it? If you were to have a second one, because that's yeah, what we were yeah. talking about. If you were to have a second one outside of Dan Caffrey, you gotta have Dan Caffrey yeah, yeah. there. You gotta probably have him host it. He hosts yeah, yeah. Who and what else are you going to do? Or would you do with this roast that would outdo it? Because there's other things that there's other things that could happen. Do they have to roast you? They could roast anybody. Yeah. But what what would you do to a Richard Dweck roast two that didn't happen in the first one? How would you make how would you make roast two? I think Richard Dweck roast. I think what I would do is I would I would not have the thing that I did with it before the comedy showcase at the beginning because yeah that was fine it went well but like to me I should have made that a separate show because that would have been better but uh. Like, I wouldn't do that. I would. Uh... Did you learn anything about producing shows? Still there? Did I lose him? Hmm. Now, this is interesting. I'm at 121, 45 seconds. Did his phone die? What are the chances his phone died?
I'm hoping he knows how to cut this out. <laughs> hey, man. Okay, so I assume you're just going to cut that middle part out where uh, they got disconnected. Yeah, yeah. We're almost rounded out. Yeah. Um. So anyway, talking about your roast. Yeah. Asking what you would do differently. Did you learn anything about producing shows? I wanted to because it took so much. The one thing I learned is that, like, because you're a friend, you're a friend of a comedy that might that listen. Let's fast forward to when you're forty. You've done yeah. some friggin' comedy things. Would you consider producing shit? Because some people, some some people host. Yeah. Some people, some people get to the point where they're good headliners. Some yeah. people, like, everybody finds their place. I mean, you have some people. There's a couple right. of comedians that I think are just more producers than they're even because like, there's some people that produce shows. That's something that you think you're going to point yourself in a direction to? Or? I, I would like to get more into that because like, what I would like to do more, and I could do it totally with people, is like you know, people do them already, but I would like to do more themed stuff. Like, like I would have like one that's like marijuana, like weed oriented, and have you, John Beecroft, Matt Nascimento. Allegedly, allegedly, and the third person you mentioned is on probation. This is all alleged. Alleged. <laughs> You're gonna get us all fucking clipped, dude. That was all alleged. That was all alleged. 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 Anyway, yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a cool show to do. You know, a a, a friend of the family pod a, a show, if you will. Yeah. You, know, you change that. You you use yeah. some code words. Yeah. Fuck me, Dwight. That's that's <laughs> well. uh, <laughs> no felonies or misdemeanors are committed. Right. By anyone. At any time, in any place, that has to do with the comedic scene in New Jersey. Right. Um, so, anyway, what I want to tell you was, like, I wanted to, like, it was weird because the bar was so, like, the Afro bar was so chill about everything. Like, way too chill. They were way too chill about everything. So, I really didn't get to, like, do a whole lot. Like, mm-hmm. I just picked the people. And they did the rest. And uh, did you learn anything about like consideration of time and how much time it takes to actually put in the, put into shows like this? Yeah. Because I, keep I, in I, mind, you 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 produce the roast yourself. Yeah. For yourself. Yeah. Now, even when the commission did it, it was a team. There was a squad of people behind that roast, and you can see the different things there. Yeah. So. I would hope if there's going to be an art wet roast too, that there are lessons learned. Um, here's where I see it, and I, I know we're getting close to the end because it's still an hour and a half before this. I think what I would do is because I knew people. I knew a couple people. Would what do you cancel. mean, you people? Sorry, I, had to... I knew a couple people would, would cancel, but they canceled like way too late. So I was like, so that was hard. But I was like, I would definitely get that more. And I keep going. Timing. Timing. Yeah, Timing with everyone and uh, Richard Dweck, my, 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 my Jewish friend, you're not allowed to do any more roasts within seven days 
of Christmas. Yeah, that was on either side. Yeah, that so would that, probably, that to me would probably be the biggest correction that needed to be made is the timing of both how how many if you have forty comedians on a yeah. show at five minutes a pop, do five times forty. That's two hundred. I know you said you weren't that good at math, but that's a lot of minutes. Yeah. No, so I, timing, I timed and then the date timing as well for what yeah, that's day what I did. That's why I felt bad because, like, I kind of got blocked for it, but like, I I didn't know how to defend myself from. It. Oh no, Explaining. you don't listen. This is this is something I want to know for the rest of your life. There is nobody that you need to defend yourself to. You never need to defend yourself, and if you find yourself when you do need to defend yourself, you get a fucking lawyer. Right? Well, the way I, the way I need to describe that is like. Yeah. The the reason I didn't have as much people as I wanted to have was A, because of scheduling, B, because of just that, this time limit. Like, I knew I had to be two hours is what I wanted to make it was two mm-hmm. hours. So I didn't want to have everyone, because that was the one thing with the call roast that was like a negative was it was way too long for people. And for me, I was like, I'm just going to do two hours, you know, and two hours, I can at get two, enough people. two hours at five minutes apiece, two Trans- two minutes for transition time, right? Yeah, so... Oh, that's seven minutes. That's 15, that's two, yeah. or four, eight. So, really, you probably should have done at, at most, and I mean, that'd be at most. I would have had it around 15. Three yeah. sets of five. And I just had, called it there. I had 14... I had 15 people, yeah. And uh, No, 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 no. No. You had 15 people plus the nine before. Yeah, plus the nine before the stage. Yes, no, that puts that number at more like twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so, a that's a seventy-five plus minute show with, so, with, with yeah. quick transitions, which there never yeah. are. But these are the things that we these are the things that you take into the next one. So you do do a road. How did you feel right. about doing a road for yourself? I know you're supposed to be asking me questions, but I, I have to know. How did you feel having a roast done? Towards you, you said that you're okay with the self-deprecation. You, you've mentioned that you know you got made fun of a little in high school or a good amount, and it's kind of molded who you are. How did you deal with you know a bunch of people coming at you? I think directly I, for a roast. I I knew because you know I kind of felt bad about it. Was like I was talking with my parents afterwards. Like I knew there wasn't a whole lot of there was there wasn't a whole lot of material for people to do about me. There was enough, but like there could have been more. And like to me, I think like with you, there's a couple like you could do a roast of yourself. Like you have enough, like you yeah, know, well, personality you, about you. I, that... I I could if I wanted to get made, but listen, I handed to both Carl and you to actually put yourself on the fucking chopping block like that because. I wouldn't, and there's plenty of it. There's plenty of shit to make fun of me for, without even knowing much about me. But I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to do that. And I'd much rather find the three things that are going to fuck with somebody's purse, like fuck with somebody at a roast level, and then do that. Right. Yeah. So, like, to me, the one thing that uh, just surprised me with you is uh, we don't have to get into this because it's probably... No, no, no. Go into it. Go into it. Go into it. Go into it. Tell me what surprised me. Tell me what surprised you. How did I surprise you? But, uh, like, I was surprised with Angelo. Like, you didn't get offended at the jokes that Angelo makes. No. no about I don't... your... Your custody stuff. 
Yeah, no, that's a, that's. Listen, I have a cunt of an ex-wife. That shit is funny. <laughs> this is yeah. You can't. You cannot make a more cartoonish character than the fucking deflated balloon this bitch is to then fucking keep my kids away from me. That shit's funny. Unfortunately, yeah. it's funny in the wrong way. Eventually, they're going to end up on stage. Yeah. Better hope it's our stage. Yeah. Having daughters is it's it's a it's 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 a concern. Right. You know, but they're, they're, they're lovely people, regardless of their horrible, horrible mother. And I'll right. leave it at that. <laughs> this fucking cunt. Oh, oh, I almost got through a whole thing without mentioning her. You did it. You did it. You right. did it. I almost made it a whole thing without fucking saying shit about that fucking horrible cunt. But you brought it up. So anyway. Well, I think as long as you don't mention names, we're good, right? I'll mention the bitches. Listen, I'll put that doofy-looking bitch on a shirt. And fucking wear it the goddamn Brighton, but it just it gives her too much. It's what she wants yeah. at that point. She wants she's literally told me multiple times to make fun of her because then that makes her part of the fucking thing. To which I then fucking threw out most of my material on her, right. except for my single mother bit, which I really it's one of my favorites. It's also one of the first ones that I've done a whole laugh for. <laughs> yeah, God, I hate them. Uh, fuck single mothers, by the way. Any of them that are uh, listening, yeah. fuck them all. Anyway, go on. Yeah. You what, else do you got, what else do you got for me before we wrap this thing, man? Yeah, can you hear me just fine? I can hear you just fine. Okay. Yeah, I had to fix the microphone because I had Happens. to uh, it Listen, my phone it these are the things that happen when you produce a show, my friend. So yeah, what else you got for 60%. me before we wrap? <laughs> my phone was at like 50% when I started. Yeah, no. Now it's at oh, 6%. You should be plugged in at all times when you're doing the podcast for that reason. So, now, what else you got for me before we get out of here? So... I just want to ask at the end is like, I know you've been taking some time off, but are you, I don't really, we talked about this at one time, right? But like you have social media stuff that you can plug, right? No, no, not at the moment. Honestly, based on uh, some things that have happened in the past 24 to 48 hours, um, right. I am not social media like very heavy on a social media. You can still okay. find me. You can still find me on Instagram. That's that's probably the last place you'll be able to find me. That's I'm Gary probably Bear, making right? one just for top of it. Yeah, yeah. That's the Gary before yeah. Bear. Okay. But um, yeah, no, still put no, still posting on the Facebook. I, know that you have I a am YouTube channel too. Yeah, yeah. I still have the YouTube. You can find me at Gary McLean on the YouTube there. Um. Oh, I forgot to ask you about this. Shoot, uh, ask before we go. Before we go. Go ahead. Uh, I'm in no rush. Heavy, but, uh, I just know we're getting to the end. I really respect that you. What you did with, uh, you did a walk for your town, the old town that you used to live in. Yeah. And um, I thought that was really, really cool. That was actually, there was a lot of virtue signaling and things going on during that right. same time. And it's like, no, I'm actually from this really racist place. Right. And this is my story. And then I got contacted by some people and it's like, no, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to fucking lead a Black Lives Matter movement. It's like, this, that's, not right. what, that's not what this is about. But then, uh, you know what it did? It did actually, it helped me know who was on my team and who was not. There's a lot of people that you're going to find that are going to be, that are going to accept the friend request, but then when it's time to fucking come out or come right. to bat for your boy, they're not going to be there. You learn those lessons. You also like, learn how many people think that they're your friends that say some of the most yeah. racist, most horrific shit ever. With you know me, what I mean? For for you, let, let me just let me just yeah, sure. add you this think. add this point in. Yeah. 
when everything started happening with COVID in the community at or around Lakewood, I am most certain that you saw probably a week or two of some of the most anti-Semitic shit you've ever seen. People getting real fucking fucky on social media. You, you, yeah. you know what I mean? And it all is, you know, it's all in the name of fun and funny until it's actually pointed yeah. at itself. I think really. that's a hard thing. Like, to me, I'm never, like, I'm not that, like, connected to it. Like, I'm connected to it in, like, a heritage way a little bit. But to me, like, I... I You're like, Jew-ish. Ish. And there's you know an emphasis on the ish there. Yeah. Like, you know what's interesting with Judaism, what's hard about it is it's hard for little kids. Like, my mom, she really got into it she never like she was raised catholic but she never sort of got the like what's your mother's name what's your mother's first name kathy with a k kathy kathy dweck is an absolute saint i will go on the record and saying that yeah she's great she's fantastic tremendous mother tremendous yes. mother and uh, but when you're done this podcast you find wherever your mother is and you hug her oh you yeah. thank her i mean yeah. that yeah i have yeah yeah uh, shake your father's hand like a man and say thanks <laughs> for doing that yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, my uh, what I wanted to what was I gonna say? Okay. Was uh, still here. Stay with, with me. Fam- with your uh, with your walk, I was at I was at a uh, uh, Pete Freight's house doing his uh-huh. show, and I uh, wanted to be there for that party. And Dan yeah. was like busting my balls a little bit because of like what I posted on yours because he wasn't sure if I was being you know like he always calls me out for being uh, like passive aggressive or whatever. Yeah. And to me, I was like, it wasn't a passive aggressive thing when I was asking you, like, if you were safe. I just didn't know the the context of of the world. Am I safe? No. I didn't know no. if there was. Do I, I'm going to tell you right worried. now. I'm never. I was worried of a threat of violence. You, you should be. You should have been worried. Really worried about that. Right. So me and the my uh, a friend of mine, uh, probably my one of my best friends in the world, a friend named Mike. Yeah. Um. When everything started happening, I was just driving down the road and like, we're going to march down fucking Main Street against racism. And he has an ethnic wife and daughter as well. Right. So when we started to do this, I'm like, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to walk right up Main Street and anybody that can come with us can. And that's how that started. And it was me explaining to him concerns that I had over, I've never been able to walk down the Main Street of my town without having to worry about racism or the police. Right. You know what I mean? And that... I just was worried with stuff going on in the news. Like, I was just... Yeah, I was, I was worried, worried too. Violence. So anyway, so when me... And, yeah, when me and my friend arrived there and there were people that we didn't know, there were people that were there. One of our biggest concerns, I'm like, so this is the part where we get shot. And we said that... We both said that to each other probably in the same few minutes. Right. That, like, right. this is the type of shit that gets people shot. Right. I said it one time in a set that I probably will bring back again, but don't do anything heroic. You know what I mean? Don't. Yeah. Don't ever, because it, it's like, don't do anything that's really going to fucking put that shine on you because it will come back. I got a lot of backlash for saying I was going to walk down the street and I'm still receiving backlash and hate from doing just that. But that wasn't the point. That was my only worry about it. It was like, I was like, you're probably. I'm still getting backlash myself, over but, it. But I was very, uh, I just want you to know that, like, it didn't come from, like, a virgin single in place. You like, really, were not. I, I really you are not on you are not putting yourself on camera every other day going on about the horrific that your children have yeah, to go yeah. through as a white person yeah there's there's one person that was doing that 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't me, and it wasn't you. That's what I mean by virtue signaling. Right. There's a whole bunch of Karens popping on trying to lead fucking anti-racist movements like they know fucking word one about being a fucking ethnicity. Right. I just don't want you to think like I was doing it just to say it, like just to be no. this good person. Because like uh, I really meant it. Like I'm just our our dweck. I've I've known you long enough to consider you a good friend. I know that you. I know that you meant nothing insulting by it. Furthermore, because I've known you long enough to consider you a good friend. If I had said something that ever hurt your feelings in any way, you'd approach me with it because that's what friends do. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how this all goes. That's why when Angela made fun of me when the kid shit, I didn't get offended. Like no, right? Angela's a good friend, and, and, and to be honest with you, as a father, I'm sure like in the real thing, when he wants this, oh, that's horrible that you're going through. But honestly, I don't show up to the Brighton. For people right. to tell me how horrible my life is, I'll tell you how horrible my life is, and you get to right. laugh at it. That's that's how this works. Yeah, I thought it was. You know, I think you know. I I I love that I met you, and you know, it's it's such a good like thing. You know, it's it's. Listen, uh, you're you're hoping one day to open for fucking Dan Caprio on a show one day. One day I'd be honored to just open for you, man, because oh, I'm, I'm, I'm an open mic. That's all I do. I just try to make people fucking laugh. My whole right. goal when I got into comedy I mean, to make a small group of people laugh. I'll open for you. I'll close for you. I'll middle right. for you. I'll do whatever. But here's the thing. You're the kind of person that you keep putting that kind of effort in. People are going to want to work with you. Not yeah. for you, just with you. That roast was your first show. You had people come out that wanted to work with you. You're right. Local. You're able to be worked with. And you're not so not humble enough that you can't say, hey, I'm, I'm new at this. You know what I mean? But right. don't be passive-aggressive. I think, don't be sideways. I think with you, what I what it kind of made me, like, think about myself for a while. Because I always think, like, the phrasing I use is I don't necessarily want to be famous with comedy. That's not the goal. The goal is to be successful in any type of way. And, like... I'm not even looking for success. And, like, more, you, more of a respect. That, like, when you said, like, you're in it for the love of the game, I thought, that's a really wholesome, like, that's an actual thing, like, everyone should do. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. not uh, Because I really, I'm not going to be famous. I'm, I don't have, I'm not, I'm not that funny, nor do I have the amount of discipline it takes to be famous. But you have, uh, you have enough at the level that you are at that you're like, you know, I feel like, not in a bad way, but I feel like in a couple of years, like you could be like a sick dick in a way of that you're a staple among the people of our, like Angelo has. Richard Dwight, listen, listen, you are, this is what Dan Caprio was talking about with being passive aggressive. I'm going to help you out here. You right. gave me the greatest compliment ever and then circled it back to being like a sick Vic. You said I could be a staple and then you fucking say I could be like sick Vic. That's Nobody what he means. What I, mean you can, I know what you mean, but a lot of people don't. <laughs> you said a great thing and a terrible thing in the same fucking sentence. Sorry. Not that I don't want to be sick, Vic, because as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be a serial killer, too. I'd love to strangle my ex-wife. Like, he's got a lot of relatable bits for a guy right. like me. I'd also like to hire him to murder that cunt. But <laughs> these are all jokes, right. and we're comedians. Yeah, this is a comedy bomb. This is, this is a comedian 
who has might be the only comedian that has like a homicidal maniac wants to kill everybody thing that's part of his act. Right. Jesus. Or I get fucking Carol Baskin over there. <laughs> fucking find me. Listen, they're going to put me away next to Joe Exotic. I got to get out of here. And I think you yeah, so uh, I think two hours is a nice long yeah. one. If Angela Jujroy wants to top that, come see me, son. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, this was great. And thank uh, you for chatting with me. Yeah. And thank you for listening for anybody who sat through the whole thing. For sure. Yeah. Oh, so, all right, Arkawak. I assume you're going to splice that last bit together? Yeah. All right, tell them to come find me where they can find me, or you can just come out to the Brighton and see me try to make people laugh on Mondays yeah, yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. All right, Arkawak. All right, thanks. Man.